Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Network's including 160 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada on Sunday, July 17th, 2011. This is episode 788. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you. How are you today? Leo Laporte here. The Oh, I'm a little gravelly, aren't I? The tech guy. And it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, all the digital madness that infests our world. I, yeah, I have, a, I have a little cold, so I apologize. I feel fine. This, I, I sound a little gravelly, so I apologize for that. Uh, if you want to participate in the, uh, in the show, I'd love it if you'd call me. We could talk about all this, all this digital stuff. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number. 8888-ASK-LEO. The website is techguylabs.com. That's probably the best thing to uh, jot down or remember techguylabs.com because there's a link there to the uh, the phone number. You can see the phone number right on the front page there, our chat room, the live video stream, the show notes. It's all there. 788 shows worth of goodness. That's a lot, that's a lot of shows. I've actually been doing this now for 20 years. At some point, and I don't know when it is, but at some point this year, I really should do some research was when I started doing Technology Talk Radio. Well, back then it was Computer Talk Radio in 1991. And it was Windows 3.0, and it was DOS 5, and it was, I mean, it was a different era. And for 20 years I've been toiling in the minds of digital technology. And boy, it has changed. Now the cell phone you have in your pocket is 10 times more powerful, hundred times, a thousand times more powerful than that PC on your desktop. And the Internet has brought us all sorts of amazing things. And every week, there's something new and interesting and exciting. That's why I love this beat. You know, if you're a journalist, you want to pick a beat that doesn't bore you, that keeps you interested. And boy, there is no better beat than the technology beat. Nobody dies. (laughs) I like that part. And yet it's important. It's changing our world. And it's always interesting, always fascinating. So I'm just having a blast covering this. I hope you enjoy it as well. And if, if you've been looking for a a show to listen to that'll help you understand it, help you make sense of it. I think this is the show every weekend right here. And if and if there's something that's puzzling you, I'd love to hear from you. 8888-ASK-LEO. So what was, I said there was something every week. What was the big announcement this week? Well, it wasn't a new Apple operating system. I thought it would be. When I left you last week, I said, oh, next week we'll talk about Lion and the new MacBook Airs. Nothing. And that just underscores the fact that Apple doesn't, you know, Apple doesn't say, Apple doesn't tell. And any speculation anybody makes, including me, is pure speculation. Now, I'm going to speculate that it'll be next week. They said it'll be in July. And they haven't said anything about new hardware, but they said we will, OS X Lion will be available in July. So that means they got two more weeks. But the quarterly earnings report is, is the 20th. So my friend uh, Don McAllister of Screencasts Online Nice British bloke from Liverpool. He said, oh, I think it'll be uh, the 20th. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, though. 
He's very insulted. Actually, he's from Liverpool. That's a Cockney accent. He said, oh, I think it'll be the 20th. That's probably when Apple will ship line. And, uh, and and when they ship a new operating system, they don't always, you know, Microsoft, uh, the way Windows works, usually you don't upgrade Windows until there's a new computer. That's how you upgrade. On the, on the Mac side, they have a new version of their operating system almost every year. Contrast that with every three to five years for Microsoft. Almost every year. And it is very normal in the Apple world to just upgrade your operating system every year. And at $30 uh, for kind of unlimited machines, that's why not? But I do believe, and, and most experts believe, that Apple will, in fact, ship new hardware as well with this particular update to take advantage of their new Thunderbolt connector. Uh, they, the MacBook Airs, which are their best-selling product right now, very hot, uh, are, are running a pretty old, slow processor. There's a new Intel processor they could run that would make them faster, give them at least as good, if not better, battery life. They could put in the Thunderbolt. I think they want to put Thunderbolt in across the line. So it seems likely that a new MacBook Air will come out. Yeah, I'm thinking next week. A new Mac Pro, perhaps. Yeah, I'm thinking next week. Maybe even new Mac Minis. Because those are, those are way overdue. But we'll watch. That was not the big announcement this week. I thought it would be. It was not. I did not predict the big announcement this week, which is Spotify. Now, if you are a Brit... Or in France, not in Germany, right? They don't have Spotify in Germany. It's it's limited parts of Europe. It's been available for a couple of years. It is a music. What is it? It's a music service, and you, it's you know a lot of people, I think myself included, said, "Well, we already have these all-you-can-eat music services. We have the Zoom Pass. You pay you know fifteen bucks a month, unlimited all the music in the Zoom library. You can put it on any device, listen to it all you want. You even get Zoom's kind of a nice deal because you get to own ten songs a month." So it's really, it's like 10 songs for 10 bucks and then five bucks for the Zoom Pass. That's a pretty good deal. There's Rhapsody, Mog, RDO. All of these services, Napster, all these services are roughly 10 bucks a month. All you can eat. They're subscription services. And, and, and Apple's never done this because Apple says no, but at least Steve Jobs. When I say Apple, I mean Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs says no, everybody wants to own music. Nobody wants to rent music. And that's essentially what these... Services do. You pay 10 bucks a month. You have unlimited access to their catalog, but only as long as you continue to pay the 10 bucks a month. I've been using both Mog and RDO for some time. Love it. It works with my Sonos uh, systems at home, so I can, I can use my, uh, my iPhone or my Android phone or my iPad to tell the Sonos, pick something from the vast catalog and play it. You can play albums you don't own. You can find out what the top 10 songs are today. I mean, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, so I was kind of skeptical when they said, well, here comes Spotify. I thought, well, I don't see how Spotify could be so much better that I would switch. And I did. It is. I don't know. I'm, I, in fact, I'd love to hear from... It's hard to get in right now. If you go to Spotify.com, you'll get the Hello America Spotify here, front page. And they'll say, sign up for an invite. Although people have invites, uh, if you go to gigaohm.com right now, they have 25,000 invites. They're slowly rolling. This is the thing now. And I don't know if it's for technical reasons because they don't want to uh, kill their servers with too many new users or, and I suspect this is the case, it's more about, you know, word of mouth marketing, ginning up excitement. Oh, you can't get in. You have to get an invitation. So isn't that what nightclubs do? Put a big velvet, red velvet rope out front with a big bouncer. Oh, sorry, man, you're not on the list. There's nobody inside. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't get in. 
It makes you want to get in, doesn't it? So I wonder if that's kind of what's going on here. In any event, I, I was able to score a uh, invitation. And I've been playing with it for four or five days. And I have to say, I think there is something about it that's kind of cool. Um, I'm not sh- it, It's social, for one thing. So one of the nice things that happens with Spotify... I'm going to log in here so I can um, show you if you're watching our uh, video stream. One of the nice things about Spotify is it's social. So the first thing you do is you attach it to your Facebook account. And when you do that, all of your Facebook friends who are on Spotify, and as it turns out, quite a few of mine are, say hello, and you can see their music, you can see what they're listening, whatever they've shared. You know, you have to share it, of course. Everybody's very sensitive about privacy. But if you say, hey, you know, I'm going to share this playlist with my friends, these playlists show up. It will also look at all the music you have in your uh, library, your iTunes library, and it will kind of add that to your Spotify. So you have everything you own plus everything else that they have in their 18 million song, 18 million song catalog. Sound quality is quite good. Here's my friend Don McAllister. He's he's from the UK, so he's had it for a long time. So he's got a bunch of playlists. I can see what Don's favorite music is. Def Leppard? Really, Don? ZZ Top? Really, Don? It's kind of fun to see what people are, what kind of music people are into and listen to. Here's my friend uh, Cédric Ingrand. He's a television presenter in France. So he's had it for a while. He's got a lot of playlists on here. Great way to find out what your friends like. Isn't that how we learn about music? Is, you know, what's, what's cool, what's hot? You all have a friend who knows more about music than you do, right? I'm very intrigued by this. $10 a month. It's free, though, for limited play. And if you get an invite, it's worth it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Maybe you can drive my car Everybody now. And maybe I love you. This is the end of Carmageddon celebration tune. I told that girl that my prospects were good. Beep, beep, and beep, beep, and yeah. They opened the 405 a little early, so we are on the air in Los Angeles, I believe, today. We are preempted yesterday, and everybody around the world is going, for what? Carmageddon? That's what they called it. Big, big freeway that goes right through the heart of Los Angeles, the San Diego freeway. It's kind of a main thoroughfare, the 405. They needed to take down a bridge, so they closed the 405 in in L.A. for, they were going to do it for 53 hours. It ended up being about eight hours early, I think, they reopened. And it yesterday, you know, it's funny, it didn't end up being anything. It was like the Y2K thing. It was like, well, no big deal. Everybody stayed home. They played a little ping pong. They sat by the pool. Eh, it's fine. But, uh, but uh, of course, uh, our uh, mothership, KFI in Los Angeles, the big 50,000-watt blowtorch of Southern California, is a news station, and so they were covering it. So we were preempted. So hello to my, my friends listening on KFI today. You didn't miss anything. You didn't miss a thing. <laughs> So we were playing with Spotify uh, during the break, uh, the chat room and I. And one of the things that's very cool, now this only doesn't work on an iPhone, but on an Android phone. One of the things I love about Android is that there's a search button on the front of the phone of all Android phones, a little magnifying glass. If you press it and hold it, a speech recognition thing pops up. And you can... Give it a variety of searches. You could say navigate to or send text messages, a variety of commands. Well, there's one command, the listen command. So I can press and hold that, 
and say, listen to the Rolling Stones' Honky Tonk Woman. And not only will it then open Spotify, but it will play the song. Actually, I didn't do that because I was saying other things in addition. It doesn't work so well when you're talking on the radio, but it really is amazing. Spotify and RDO are two applications on Android that will do that. So if you have, that's one of the reasons I love these music subscription services like Spotify. Ten bucks a month. That's one CD a month, right? It's probably what you'd spend on music anyway. But instead of one CD, you get access to 18 million songs. It's not everything. The Beatles aren't on there. iTunes has an exclusive for them. I think some Led Zeppelin stuff is not on. There's stuff that's missing. It's not every song ever recorded. But 18 million is a pretty good selection. And you don't have to own the song. You don't have to have it on your phone. You don't have to have it in your home collection. You just have to be able to find it on Spotify or this other service, RDO, which I also like, rdio.com. And it'll play. Good quality, too. Good streaming quality, too. I think that changes uh, the music industry. I really do. Changes everything. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. William is in Tampa, Florida. Hi, William. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Our first call of the day. Oh, I got to push another button here. Something's going on. I got on. it. Thank you, Kyle. Hello, William. Actually, that's not the one I wanted. You picked up Leslie. I will pick up William right now. There we go. Hey, William. Hi there. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are things in Tampa? Very good. Thank you. Hey, first, I just want to thank you for all the different shows you have on your Twit network. I listen to a number of them regularly, and that's just a wonderful resource. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Yeah, for those who don't know what he's talking about, we thought about rebranding because Twit kind of implies, you know, an upper-class fool. But it's memorable. It stands for This Week in Tech, and we do about, uh, oh, I don't know, two dozen shows about technology. All, that's, that's my day job. This is my fun job, my weekend job. But my day gig is making all of those shows. And, uh, it's a, it, you know, thank you. I'm glad you like them. We're building a new studio. In fact, this is my last Tech Guy show in the old Tech Guy Labs. We're moving down the street next Sunday or next Saturday. Actually, that no, that's not right. I have, I have, actually, I take it back. This is my second to last. I will then do the show here next weekend. And at the end of that show, then I get up and move down the street. So what can I do for you, William? I have a, uh, a, a peer-to-peer network at my office, and there is uh, at least one computer, but not all of them, that every day at the same time, it loses its connection with, with the network. Really? Um, and uh, I've checked the obvious things, scheduler, and things that I can think of, um, and I uh, plugged that computer into a different port in the switch, and it didn't do it for a couple of days, but then it started doing it again. That's weird. And it, you're wired or wireless? Uh, wired. Wow. Yep, to a D-Link uh, switch. And, uh, and it's just that one computer? Just that one computer. At 321, boom. <laughs> <laughs> the person who used that computer loses their connection on, on that program that we run. Is it always the same time? Um. It used to be a different time that after I plugged it into a different port and it didn't do it for a couple of days when it started back up again, now it's at that same time. That is so weird. Well, now you know that the way the computer gets on the, uh, on the network, it's a peer, you said, it, now this is interesting, you said it's a peer-to-peer network. Uh, I think I'm using that term correctly. All of the 
printers and computers plug into a 24-port switch, and the Internet and everything connects through that. that, Okay. uh, So you're not assigning – I'm going to get geeky here, folks. Please hang on. You're not assigning static IP addresses to the computer. You're letting the computer get an address from the switch. That's correct. Okay, so it's not a peer-to-peer network. Okay. There, there, there's a, it's a subtle difference, but uh, but important in this case, because the way it gets its address is through something called DHCP, Dynamic Host Configuration Protocol. And um, it, gets, it gets a lease. It gets the address for a certain period of time. Now, normally, the lease is virtually forever. I'm wondering, one possibility is that this machine is set for some reason, is set differently so that the lease expires every 24 hours. So I would look at your DHCP settings in the network and is in the switch as well, or the router as well. Because uh, it sounds like it's expiring the um, the IP address. And that would what would happen if it did is it, you would, it would go down. One way to test this is when it goes down at 321 in the afternoon is to refresh to release and renew the IP address. In effect, manually saying, give me a new one. And you can do that from the command line. It's probably the easiest way to do it. There are programs that will do it. But if you just click start, run, get that command line up and type ipconfig, one word, I-P-C-O-N-F-I-G. Boy, we're getting geeky here. First call of the day, and I'm already burning people's ears. ipconfig space slash release. Do it again, space slash renew. Uh, see if that fixes it. <laughs> Skippy in our chat room saying, Ow, my ears, ow! Uh, what else? Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> or you could just do, um, what else would? What else could be going wrong, chat room? Any other, you, the, uh, you know, we don't want to reboot the router every time. What we want to do is fix this. If for the release, renew fixes it, then it is probably a lease issue. Um, so also check on the router. Make sure that you have long leases. Actually, uh, that's good. I like this. Gauchum in the chat room says, if you do the same thing, start run, ipconfig space slash all, it'll tell you what the lease times are. And you can see if that particular system is uh, is going to run out. That's my guess. And I'm sticking with it. Scott Wilkinson, our home theater expert, coming up. In just a moment to talk home theater. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Scott Wilkinson on the tuba there, right? Um, actually, that's not me, but uh, <clears throat> it's a piece written by my father. You're kidding. Nope. Was your father a famous tuba player? No. <clears throat> he was a um, he was actually a music educator and huh? a sax man most of his life. But huh? in his retirement, he developed a f- strong interest in tuba quartets. And so he started writing tuba quartets. He's, he's, he wrote over 40 Wow! before he passed away. It's actually and quite beautiful. We never think of the tuba as being such a nimble, light instrument. Exactly right. We always think of it as oompa-pa, oompa-pa. Exactly, a big, heavy instrument. Tubby the tuba. Well, I mean, you hear, yeah. you hear Tubby the tuba, right? You probably heard that. I grew up with Tubby the tuba. It's a great piece, and it really it. shows off the, the characteristic, uh, you know, you can be more than just oompa yeah. on the tuba. Yeah. So uh, I thought that would be fun to play a little bit of my dad's music. That, that was the Dutch tuba quartet who recorded his, one of his pieces. That's called The Happy Soul, oh, it did, it uh, which is a, um, a klezmer tune. 
sounded happy. He arranged for uh, for tuba quartet, and we in fact played it at his memorial service. So Aww. that was kind of cool. Well, it's good to have you back. Scott Wilkinson is our home theater expert, editor in chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, columnist for Home Theater Magazine, hometheatermag.com, but more importantly, the host of our great Home Theater Geeks show, which is every Monday, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern at live.twit.tv, or you can download it after the fact at twit.tv slash htg. Yep. Who's coming up Monday? Oh, Monday, I've got uh, two great guests, actually, Greg Lowen and Michael Chen, both of whom are video calibrators and THX calibration course instructors who are just back from China teaching their first calibration course in China. So uh, I think they'll have some interesting stories to tell. Another thing to be aware of this week, however, is that uh, this will be the first show, the first Home Theater Geeks, from which I will be re- or that I'll be recording from a new studio myself. I figured, what the heck? You're putting together a new studio. I might as well, too. Wow. <laughs> It'll be the last Home Theater Geeks that we broadcast from our old studio, the first from your new studio, and then next week. Next week, they'll both be They'll new. both be our new studios. That's right. I, I You know, at my um, video testing lab, which is a few miles away from my house, uh, I've always had really poor internet access. Yeah, it's time to get some good internet access. And now we do. Good. I've got symmetric Good. five megs up and down. Ooh, that should be enough. Which is plenty. You know, we're what? shifting, and it won't be next week, but the following week we will be stop using Skype for our shows, and we'll start using, we'll still have Skype capability, but we'll start using a, uh, a video conferencing technology called Vidyo, V-I-D-Y-O.com. Oh, well, then you better uh, get me hip to what I I'll need I'll get you hip that. to it, man. It's easy. In fact, <laughs> what'll happen is you'll get a, a, a link. Uh, that you'll save that'll always be good for you and your and your uh, co-host will get a link. They just click that link. It works on all systems, Windows, Mac, Linux. And if you have a good camera, which I know you do, and I hope yeah. your host, your guests will, uh, we'll get a high-def video back, and it should look spectacular. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, my camera is actually standard def. It's a good quality camera. But well, we might have to get you so. one of them new Logitech uh, uh, you know, cameras because they have some great inexpensive High def cameras that we're going to send out to I do have a flip. Everybody. I don't know if that would no, work. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. No, 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 no. It is 720. Well, 720 is fine, but the, but I don't know if it's uh, well. Maybe it will work. I don't know if it'll work. I don't know. We'll uh, try it. Real but time. We'll work that out later. We, uh, you know, I'll make a list. We got to send everybody new cameras. Oh, that'd we're be going great. high def, baby. Yeah, baby. It's about time. <laughs> don't count on me going 3D though. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> No, no, I know you're not. You're not going to want to go. 3D. I think I'm going to win this argument. By the way, I think 3D is already starting to decline. In the well, popularity. you know what? I have to say, I agree in that there are fewer 3D movies coming out now. Hey, was Harry uh, Potter 3D? Yeah, and uh, Doctor Mom in the chat room was saying she saw it, and uh, you know, she saw it in 2D. But other than a few scenes, just a couple of shots, you know, the broomstick that. going straight for you. Or yeah, right. Voldemort's <laughs> wand poking you in the eye. I don't no, want there, that. There isn't. Uh, there wasn't that much that she felt she missed. On the other hand, she also suffers from um, a condition that that gives her 3D sickness. So, well, that's not uh, good. Of course, she's not going to want to see it. And a lot, she's not alone. A lot of people suffer from that problem. So, uh, you know, y- you may in fact be right. I I have to say, I enjoy it myself. I don't have this particular problem. I don't suffer from 3D sickness. And, and when it's done well, and I have to always make that caveat, but when it's done well, I really enjoy it. Well, good for you. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that uh, the Avatar effect is very clear. Avatar was so well done, and yeah, people loved exactly. it so much that it really kick-started the whole thing. But there hasn't been anything subsequently that has got 
as as much attention or as has 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 gotten people so excited. So I think that's probably part of the problem. And then you know the next time James Cameron comes out with a 3D movie, maybe it'll all get going. Again. Well, you know uh, Ebert at the movies, this TV show, which Roger Ebert isn't on anymore, of course, because he had a stroke and can't really talk too well. But uh, he's got some other hosts on there, and they did a whole show a couple weeks ago on 3D. And uh, one of the hosts made a very good point. He said. You know, everybody thought that uh, Avatar was, you know, going to change movie making and everything was going to be in 3D. And he said, really, all I think it did was change the way $250 million movies were made. Yeah. Uh, which made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's the case. You know, and, and uh, yet, yeah, you, and you say that, but, then, but Panasonic, JVC, Sony, they're all selling 3D cameras. Some of them, like the Sony Bloggy, yep. uh, inexpensive flip style 3D cameras. Um, everybody's pushing in this direction as if we all... And the problem is you make this 3D video, you can't edit it, you can't really post it very well, you have to use special software. Um, I just... You, I don't know. We'll see. I thought you can edit it pretty easily. You I can edit it with special software, but not... not what not, you end up doing is editing the 2D version and then it applies... It's much more complicated. No, it's, no, not, no. it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you may very well be right. I know man. I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> I never am wrong. Because it's my show. <laughs> well, because it's your show, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> no, I'm often wrong, and I could easily be wrong on this. It's one of you the know, it's one of the challenges of covering technology is new exactly. stuff comes along all the time, and you know most of the time, new stuff is bad. In fact, I have a very good friend who shall remain nameless who has made his career just basically saying everything's bad, and the <laughs> few times he's wrong, he just moves on. You're right, uh, but he's usually not wrong. It's hard. Is usually not wrong, so it's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in, you know I, I'm always trying to decide you know use use my noggin my experience and uh, and tr- and my 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 intuition and say is this going to be good or is this going to be bad and sometimes you you hit it sometimes you don't it's very difficult yeah, to know it's true enough very true difficult enough. to know only only the users in mass can really tell us yeah so let's uh, before we run out of time which we always yes. do answer a question from a listener let's answer a question from a listener shall yes. we um, I've got a question here from Craig who says. Does it do any damage to an audio amplifier to run it without speakers connected? What? For example, a surround sound system without the rear speakers hooked up. Oh, I see. So you're or using some channel, speakers, but just not all of them. But just not all of them. Yeah. Um, the answer, as far as I know, is that it doesn't really damage the amp because basically you're putting an infinite resistance or impedance across that speaker outlet, uh, that speaker output. Uh, and it's expecting to see six or eight ohms. And the more resistance you present to the circuit, the less it has to do. And so if you present so it's infinite, happier. It's happier, yeah. So you, if you give it infinite resistance or impedance, uh, it, it really doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. Now, I, even then, I still recommend, in the case of a surround sound, say a 7.1 receiver that has... That, you only have five speakers connected. You can go into the receiver's um, menu system, and you can say, "I don't have rear rear speakers, rear surround speakers connected." Um, and that's always I like to do that just for housekeeping uh, and to to be clean about it. Uh, but I really don't think it's a problem. Uh, Good to know. That's that's what I think about that. Good answer. You know, now we could do a second question. We could do a second. Shocking! Question. It'll be a first. <laughs> Although, I, uh, to tell you the truth, oh, no. I did want to yeah, mention he wants Spotify. To, yeah, he wants to talk a little more. Okay, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> oh we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to well, get you a stopwatch. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Wilkinson. UltimateAVMag.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
Who is this? Is this the Smurfs? I don't know. Why are they playing the Smurfs song? Why, why, why? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Blame Kyle Benham, our music director here on the show. It's among, coming out in 3D. Among other things. Oh, oh, it's going to be 3D, he says. Now that's terrifying. <laughs> Just confirms my opinion that 3D is a bad idea. 3D Smurfs. <laughs> so I kept Scott Wilkinson around because I thought it'd be good to talk about uh, Netflix a little bit. Been a big brouhaha over Netflix uh, because they announced this week. Well, I think there's two ways to talk about it. Many people said a price increase. And I'm not sure exactly that's what happened. I guess it is if you want to keep ex- it is in the sense that if you want to keep exactly what you've got, it's going to cost you more. That's right. But in in another way to describe it would be kind of a split in the way they price their service. Right. So they offer two different services, a DVD by mail service, that's what they became famous for. Mm-hmm. And then they added a couple of years ago streaming, watch instantly they call it. And uh, all of the accounts from one disc on up had streaming kind of built in for free, or you could, as of a few months ago, get streaming for seven ninety nine a month just by itself. What they've decided to do, and I think this was inevitable, is split the two out. So if you want discs, that'll cost you what the discs have always cost you, at seven ninety nine or more. If you want streaming, that's separate. That'll also cost you seven ninety nine. So if you have a three disc subscription, you've got a ten buck increase. If, in my case, I had uh, a five-disc subscription, and so it costs, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks. What I'll probably do, and I imagine a lot of people will do this, is choose one or the other. In my case, uh, I watch instantly. I, very, I have discs I've had for five months. It just, it's just pushing me to send the discs back and say, no more discs. What do you think of it? Well, it's, you're, you've summarized it very well. And, uh, you know, it is a price increase of like 60% if you want both services, uh, streaming and disc by mail. Right. And so I actually, this week's poll question on ultimateavmag.com asks this very question, which is, what will you do in response to the Netflix, yeah. I called it a rate hike? Right. Um, and, and, and it is fair to call it a rate hike. I don't think that that's unfair. If, if, if you get, you're paying more for the same thing, that's a rate hike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, it, it caused a lot of furor. I think that's going to blow over, though. That I opinion. do, too. I do, too. It's just, a, uh, you know, now that it happened. It's a uh, visceral reaction to suddenly yeah. having to pay a whole lot more yeah. uh, for your stuff. But I think that it's still cheaper than two tickets to a movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Absolutely. And it's still, for me, because now I was paying late that... fees like crazy, it's still a lot cheaper than going to Blockbuster was for me. Sure. And a lot yeah. more convenient. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot more convenient. So if and you then, go to ultimateavmag.com, you can vote in Scott's poll. What will you do in response to the Netflix rate hike? And you've got like eight choices here. I've got eight choices. Where they are, I'm a subscriber and I'm going to keep both. I'm a subscriber and I'm only going to keep disc by mail or only going to keep streaming or dump them both. Yeah. And then I'm not a subscriber, but I plan to get both or only disc by mail or only streaming or I'm going to stay away. And I found it very interesting that the I'm a subscriber and I'm going to keep only disc by mail and only streaming are pretty evenly split. There's a little bit more. There's 25% of the voters so far have said disc by mail only, and 22% have said only streaming. Now, remember, this is ultimateavmag.com, so people are more interested in the ultimate in quality. And streaming is not as high quality as certainly Blu-ray. But it's what I like because it's instant. Because it's instant. Yeah. And here and I live is, with it. It's HD. 720p is all right. 
And what about the sound? What about the audio? You know, I didn't. Uh, you're you're a big sound guy, so uh, maybe you would notice. I never. I don't hear anything. Oh, I you mean it doesn't have the surround? It doesn't have surround. It's only well, two I only points. have two speakers. So well, then you'd have no problem. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> and I think seven ninety nine a month for unlimited streaming. I'm sorry, that's a deal. I know it's not all the movies you want. Then that's the other issue: is that there are a lot of holes. Some people think there are bigger holes than other people think. Yeah, it kind of depends what you watch. Depends on what you want. But I exactly. watched last night, or the night before last, I watched The Fighter. I'd missed it. It won Academy Awards. I was really wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get to see it in the theaters. I was very surprised to see it on the watch instantly list. I didn't have to get a disc. And so I'm sitting and th- thinking, what am I going to watch? And I, I love browsing through this list because there, there are a lot of things in there. There are a lot of things in there. And, uh, and there's this, you know, Star Trek. They, they're always adding stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found The Fighter. I said, wow, okay, I'll watch that. Uh, and, you know, it was fine with me. Now, I think there are going to be lots of other issues coming down the road. For instance, Comcast hates this. Mm. 30 to 40% of all primetime internet traffic now is Netflix streaming. Really? Yes. Of all internet yes. traffic? And I notice in my neighborhood, I'm actually switching away from Comcast. Because in my neighborhood, it slows down after 7 p.m. 7 to 10 p.m., everybody's watching movies in my neighborhood. <laughs> so I get, I get terrible bandwidth. So I'm switching to a DSL product. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have that same problem. You know, that's the difference kind of mostly the big difference in cable and DSL is cable has a certain amount of bandwidth to your neighborhood right. that's shared. DSL, it all goes back to the central office and the phone company. But, then, but DSL depends on how far away you are physically. Well, that's true. And I'm 6,000 from... feet. I'm pretty far. But I, I'm getting a special ADSL 2 plus ah, that will give me plenty of You're probably of paying for it, too. Yeah, 70 bucks a month. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I get two phone lines. It's, very, ah. it's all very complicated nowadays. <laughs> it's really it is, a shame. It's true. It's really it's a shame. So, um, in any, all told, yeah. I think this is very interesting. I think ultimately people will calm down. They, of course, it's a price hike, but they'll look at it and they'll say, "Well, it's still one of the best deals there is for mm-hmm. movies." I think, and it's the it's the uh, age old question of convenience or ultimate quality. And uh, I'm opting and for convenience. You're opting for convenience, but and I a may lot of people keep. Are. I may keep a one or two. I don't need the five disc. I might keep one or two disc. It, what it's going to do is force me to think about how much I'm spending on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly right. Well, now, I'm you, glad you brought it up because I think it is a very hot topic right now. People are. It is. It, 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 are it just a story just broke this week. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Now, here's my question for you: How much of this had to do with the pressure from the movie industry? Well, that's a very good question. Because I mean, don't you not... think? Well, for, I'll tell you. I know Netflix is under a lot of pressure. For instance, they do not get discs for rent uh, for thirty days in most cases until after they've been selling in the stores for thirty uh, days. This is the movie industry trying to sell them before you can pirate them. Right. Uh, they are restricted in many ways, and uh, for instance. Uh, they often can't buy as many copies as they would like. So sometimes you'll want a popular movie and you'll have to wait because they don't have as many copies. And that's oh, I didn't realize the, that either. Yeah, the movie industry won't let them have them. Mm. They'll limit the number of copies. Mm. So I think streaming is something the movie industry likes because it, it, it eliminates the piracy issue. Yeah. Number of well, copies is no it longer reduces an issue. it anyway because uh, it's pretty hard to copy a streaming movie. Well, yeah, but I, I don't believe I guess in you could any point your unbreakable copy it. protection. No, There's you no point your thing. camcorder at it and record it. Right. <laughs> and no one, no one is going to police you and uh, take you out of the theater for doing that. But, but. I do think we're going to see. So the, I think the movie industry is happy with this. I think Netflix probably does want to push people towards streaming. It's still they do. an Absolutely. incredible deal. No question. Uh, and, uh, and you pay a higher price for discs because, frankly, that's a more realistic price 
for the the, the disc. Sure, I mean the mailing and the right. and all it's that expensive. stuff. And they, yeah, it's expensive. Not Streaming to mention the fact cheap. that that to to do that they have to do business in states that are now charging sales tax and demanding they collect sales tax. So all of this gets much more complicated. You know, yeah. that happened in California. Amazon, in fact, stopped paying affiliate fees because uh, in California just a couple of weeks ago because oh, yeah? the state of California said, well, now you have to collect sales tax because you're doing business in the state. Wow. So there's wow. a whole lot of stuff going on. I think it's a complicated is. issue. It's very complicated. Now, uh, Rob Sabin, the editor of Home Theater, wrote a great blog on the subject on hometheater.com in which he basically recommends for our readers who are, again, more interested in probably quality right. than than convenience, you know, stick with Blu-ray uh, download. Well, uh, remember, Netflix started yeah. charging a buck more a month for Blu-ray just a few. And now it's two bucks more. Yeah. So that's another thing. They started, a, they, they increased the cost for Blu-ray. But, yeah. you know, if you want quality, I don't think it's such a high price to pay for the best quality, if that's what you care about. If that's what you me, care about. Me, I couldn't care less. I'm half blind and deaf, so <laughs> it looks fine to me. I'm sitting there and watching the fuzzy video going, that's eh, great. I think the real problem is going to be when internet service providers start to clamp down on people. There's, this was the other point I wanted to make. Yeah. Exactly right, is, is internet uh, caps. Huge and- problem. Huge problem, yeah. and it's going to get worse. That's, again, why I switched off Comcast. They have caps. My DSL provider does not. Ah, I can wa- well. They say, watch all you want. We'll make more. <laughs> Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine. I'm glad we could have a little extended conversation with you. UltimateAVMag.com if you want to know more. Vote in his poll. Home Theater Mag if you want to read his great reviews and columns. He just knows all. And uh, join him tomorrow, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Forget we're going to get video geeky, totally video geeky. To get video geeky, it's called home theater geek, so that's appropriate. After all, thank you, Scott. <laughs> My pleasure. We'll, Thanks. We'll Leo. talk again next week. Scott Wilkinson, everybody, the the geek, the king of home theater geeks. He's the original. My phone number. We're going to get back to the phones in just a second. Eighty eight, eighty eight. Ask Leo. Eight 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 two seven five five three six. That's toll free from anywhere in the U.S. Please do call in if you're outside the U.S. We had uh, callers from Scotland and uh, London. Yesterday, you can use Skype to call. We welcome those international callers. 888-827-5536. Your call's next when we come back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. <laughs> well, hey, 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 how are you? Good to see you. Welcome, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We survived Carmageddon. And now we're back on the air. We have a uh, station in Los Angeles, our big station, our mothership, KFI, preempted us for uh, the closing of the 405, but I, I hope, I understand we're back on the air. Everybody survived. It actually was uh, kind of a dud, wasn't it? Everybody just enjoyed a nice weekend with no traffic. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number if you want to talk about technology, 888-827-5536. I have been, uh, you know, it's funny. I haven't taken a test. When's the last time I took a test? Must 20 or 30 years ago. I took a test on Friday, and I was so nervous. It was a 35-question test to become a ham radio, an amateur radio operator. And I passed. So now I'm waiting to get my call signed so I can join the fraternity of hams. I know some of you are saying, Leo, you've been a ham for 30 years. What are you talking about? Well, now I have a piece of paper that proves it. So it's kind of fun. I, uh, I uh, really enjoyed it, and I highly encourage anybody who's interested in this. It's what a great hobby. If you're kind of technically uh, inclined, it's, 
it, certainly it's a lot of analog radio stuff. And, I, you know, I'm a radio guy for 35 years, so I love that. But there's also nowadays a lot of digital, a lot of interesting computer stuff. And, you know, a lot of the technology that we, uh, we live with every day, like cell phones, packet, uh, came from packet radio, was created and invented by hams, perfected by hams. So really, in a way, we're all hams. That cell phone is a ham device device. 8888-ASK-LEO. And a lot of hams I know in our chat room. So hello to all of you. Let's get back to the phones. Leslie, Washington, D.C. Hi, Leslie. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Welcome to the show. Love your show. Thank you. I listen to it all the time on my podcast. Oh, bless you. I appreciate it. Oh, it's a great show. Everybody thinks I know you. I'm always saying, well, Leo says... That is a phrase that is much hated in many households across the country. Well, (laughs) Leo says, good. Well, I'm glad to see you. Um, I am wondering, I'm trying to be uh, both frugal and uh, earth-friendly. And my uh, iMac, I have a MacBook and an iMac, but we'll talk about the iMac because that's the main one. I'd like to be able to put it into the sleep mode and have it wake up automatically if someone sends me a message, an email or a mm. G-chat. Or I also have the Google phone. I mean, is there any way to set it so that it'll wake up when someone is trying to get in touch with me? No, because unfortunately, in order for it to get email, for instance, it actually has to be awake. Mm-hmm. So the email thing, um, it has to be awake. When it's asleep, it's not doing anything. Yeah. When it's asleep, it can't receive. You can't receive anything. It can't. Now there is a feature on some PCs. I'm trying to remember if uh, it's on Macs. I'm going to have to look. Called Wake on LAN, but it won't help you. It will only wake up the machine if there's activity on the local network. Right. And right. of course, you're talking about internet activity. So yeah, a, a ch- yeah. I mean, the com- the computers are being used so much as a device for communicating now. You know, and if you have, I agree. Voice, I agree. They're 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 talk boxes, aren't they? They're they're yeah. like your phone. Yeah. So I think we, what you do is it's it is um hmm. That's a really interesting question. You're right. It will use a lot less power when it's sleeping. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like if, if there was some some way, even if you could put it into a different mode that wasn't quite asleep, right. But was just awake enough that you could actually. You know, be alerted to the fact that someone's trying to get in touch with you for, you know, on whatever means they use. Yeah, because what you really would like it to do, well, certainly um, one thing you do is have the monitor go off. Yes, that's a big use of power. So that's one of the power settings. You just say, Mm -hmm. let the monitor Mm -hmm. go to sleep very quickly before the system goes to sleep. Yeah. Um, Well, it's an idea for somebody to invent. It is. It is. What you could do is have a device that's separate from your Mac, a low-power device that would check uh, your email, would watch for your um, chat messages, and when it got one, send over the network a message to the Mac to wake. That's called wake on LAN, and the Mac would wake up, but then it would have to go out and get the email and the message, and so... You know, that's why a well, lot of people use their, their use smartphones, to be honest. On Verizon, I'm taking your advice and waiting for the next generation, and I'm, you know, keep, you know, just counting the minutes until they come out with the new one because, uh, you know, I have a not, not a smartphone now. I think I, September we're going to see newish iPhones. But, and by the way, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is all speculation. Nobody knows what Apple's yeah. going to do because Apple doesn't say. 
The speculation now is that there will be some sort of refresh on the iPhone in September, but it will be more like an iPhone 4S. It will be a slightly updated iPhone, and the, really the new iPhone will be not again till June. Yeah. Well, I want to, if I can make one quick comment about cell phones sure, before listen. I let you go. You know, one of the things that I think really is missing from most of the reviews and most, peop- most of the people and, and websites, whatever, that rate these things is how well they actually work. Uh, there's a lot of talk You mean about as phones? Hmm? You mean as phones? Yes, as phones. <laughs> no, no I mean, what do you mean? This is a phone? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But not just as a phone. I mean, for instance, I have an LG Touch. I don't know if you remember. I mean, oh, yeah. an LG. It was an old, you know, it's several years old now. Yeah. And it just, it's terrible. The way the interface works. And oh, I know, I know. In fact... Until the smartphones came out, iPhone really changed everything. These phones yeah. were unusable. I agree. Yeah. yeah. User interface design was a very, very low priority for phone mm-hmm. manufacturers until Apple came along and said, no, people want something they can use. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not a matter of what I want to use it for. It's a matter of whether it works when I try to use it. Yeah. No, I agree. So you don't yeah. have an iPhone. You have an old phone right now. You have that old LG. Yes. One thing you might consider, Leslie, and this would kind of solve these two problems, is get an iPod Touch just as an interim device. I do have an iPod. Oh, okay, yeah. because that will do the things if you set it up over the Wi-Fi. It will get the email. It will do the chat in a low-power state. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it can be your, like, kind of Internet alert device that you have around with you, and that way the computer can go to sleep, and, uh, and you can use the, the iPod Touch as your kind of communications device. Yeah, yeah, I do that, but you know, of course, the iPod Touch works on a battery, and if it's on the on, you know, it's looking all the time for stuff. It's, well, but the it's battery last very of course, long. but it's sipping uh, power compared to the computer. Yeah. yeah. So well, what you know, I, what I do with my iPod uh, and my iPhone and all of these devices is when I go to bed, I charge them. I mean, it's just I, I just that's I know I'm not going to get more than a day. Yeah. We that's another thing we got used to with uh, the older cell phones. Oh, they go a week without charging. No. Every night, charge everything. In fact, I got a. Yeah. The, 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 there's a guy that does a podcast called The Wood Whisperer, Mark Spaniolo, and he made me a beautiful wood device charging cabinet that's designed. It's a beautiful cabinet. You put all you have all of your power dongles in the cabinet, and when you go to bed at night, you just put everything in there and charge it all up. You get up in the morning, you open the cabinet, it's all charged up. I mean, that's what we just have to get used to doing now. Well, I can't wait till they do it magnetically and then you just sit everything down. Yeah, I mean, and f- well, we know how to do that now. You know, the Palm Pre did that. Uh, there are companies that make third-party uh, pads, power pads that you can do that with. And I think the rumor is that, that the next iPhone will, in fact, have uh, this oh, inductance charging. That would be great, wouldn't it? Then you, don't have, you just kind of throw it on a mat and it all charges up. Yeah, that'd be neat. Thanks, Leslie. Good to talk to you. Well, thanks. Feel better. Thank you. Yeah, I got a little bit of a cold. I can you can probably tell a little gravelly today. A uh, lot of phones now are going to start doing inductive charging. And who is the company that it's called the Power Mat, something like that? You buy it. Uh, you have to. Um, you have to. This is why it doesn't work very well. You have to change the back on your phone so that the phone can have this inductance charging capability. Be nice if the, all the new stuff just did it. It's kind of ungainly because you get a big lump on the back of your phone. I suspect new phones will. I, somebody's just saying the Droid 3 does do that. Uh, the rumor is the new iPhones will. I'm sure there'll be a lot of... Uh, that's the way to do it. Then you don't have to plug it in. You just throw it on the mat. Next morning, get up, you pick it up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. Your call's next. Until-
Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 88. 88. Ask Leo. I'm trying to figure out, Kyle Benham, why are we playing this song? Every song Kyle plays, there's a secret message. This is a stretch. Going until it sleeps. It's called Until It Sleeps. Oh, oh, it's for Leslie's computer that doesn't sleep. A little Metallica for those of you. I get it. Wow. Wow. Kyle Benham may have the most... You, Kyle, you should be using Spotify. The most sophisticated musical knowledge until it sleeps, of course. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. Russ is in San Francisco listening on the great KGO. Hello, Russ. Hey, Leo. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? All pretty good. Hey, Leo, I bought a Panasonic VT30, the new one. Nice TV. Nice TV. Yeah, I bought it at your recommendation. Last year you were talking about them. Well, it's really not me. Uh, it's Scott Wilkinson, our home theater guy. He loves a VT30. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't watch 3D, So, but I wanted the TV. The TV works great. Good. I'm having problems with the DLNA, and I've been in con- contact with Panasonic, and what it won't do is it doesn't play. I'm using a Windows 7 media server, and it won't play my iPhone videos very well or MPEG-2 videos. And right next to it, I have a Blu-ray 3D uh, player, a BD-570, that has Wi-Fi, and it plays those files just fine. So DLNA is the ability to, uh, and some phones have it, uh, some computers have it, uh, to play over your Wi-Fi into the TV. If the TV supports it, it's kind of like uh, Apple's AirPlay technology, where it lets you play from a device directly to the TV without a connection. Right, and the the specs on the TV says that it will play these files, but when I go to play my iPhone files, it plays it for like a tenth of a... It plays it for five seconds, and it stops for a tenth of a second. Yeah. Then it'll play, and it stops. And then with MPEG-2 files, it kind of like tie, tiles and then stops. Yeah. Well, I have a good signal. The Wi-Fi signal is five bars on the Panasonic TV. Yeah. The Blu-ray player plays the Wi-Fi just fine. I can stream Netflix movies on the Panasonic, you know, with my Wi-Fi system. No problem at all. So after being on the phone with Panasonic over over a week's period, for over three and a half hours, they finally agreed to send a local technician out here. I don't think that's going to make any difference. I think what's really going on, it's a bandwidth issue. Well, that's what that's what they thought, but it seems like I have enough bandwidth, though, doesn't well, it? Well, uh, yeah, okay. So this is a very common issue. I have yeah. a lot of bandwidth. What's the problem? It's not it, you don't have a, you don't have what you think you have. So the bandwidth that matters here is your Wi-Fi speed. And this varies wildly depending on where your access point is. It may be that the Blu-ray player is just positioned just a little bit better than the TV receiver. It may be the TV receiver, the antenna for the DLNA, is inside the TV. I'm sure it is. And is no, it's actually, it's, well, they, they give you a Wi-Fi adapter. Oh, good. All right. So move that around. Move your... I did. And I get, I get five bars. Well, and I, that's what the TV shows. So Panasonic sent the guy out here. They changed the circuit board. They changed the little Wi-Fi adapter, and the same thing happens. So um, one way to try to, this would be to plug in the Ethernet from your uh, from your router. Have you tried that, plugging in the hard wire? Yeah, we moved the router next to the TV. And then plug in the hard wire. Does the same thing happen? 
exact same thing happens. Okay, good. That's a, that's a way of determining. Okay, so now we know it's not the bandwidth because you're getting direct input into the thing. Yeah, so Panasonic, at this point, they said they don't know what it is. So they called me the other day and they I said, don't well, either. I don't know either because it's not the Wi-Fi because you tried Ethernet and you were having the yeah, same issue. Two different routers, too, just yeah. to be sure it wasn't. Yeah, well, route. they tried everything, didn't they? That's exactly what I would suggest. Um, they did. They, like I say, they changed the circuit board that everything plays. Now, the in. same files play fine on your Blu-ray uh, through the DLNA on the yeah, Blu-ray? And I have hundreds of these files. That they play fine on, on absolutely everything I have, except they won't play through the Panasonic TV. Boy, and I'm sure that the techs, when they came out, they updated the firmware on the TV and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, they did. We downloaded, and, you know, actually, I did that myself, but they double-checked it anyway. So, you know, they, they Panasonic says they just don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you call me like I might. I'm on Well, you, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, Kilroy suggesting, I, it, it, it is an interesting thought, uh, to put those same files on one or one or two of them on a USB key and play them directly through the yeah. USB key on the on the TV, and if you have the same problem, then then it's not it has nothing to do with the network. It has to do with the TV and those files. Yeah, what they had me do, Leo, is they had me put those files on an SD card, right? And I put that in. The same TV. thing happened. Nope they work they work perfectly. Okay, well, good. So now we've shown that the TV has the capability. That the files aren't too big and, and, and you know, that, that the codecs and so forth aren't the problem. It's, it's something to do with the network. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's not the Wi-Fi because we tried plugging it in directly. I, you know, this is the process. Whenever there's a problem like this, the process of troubleshooting is exactly this. It's eliminating possibilities to narrow it down. It's just like Sherlock Holmes, you know, when he was solving a mystery. He'd say, Watson, we eliminate all the possibilities and whatever remains, however improbable, is the cause. Right. So that's what we're doing here, and uh, so we've eliminated. So, if we try to do this logically, we know the TV can play the file because it p- play, plays it directly from an SD card. We know that uh, it isn't Wi-Fi because when you Ethernet it, it's the same problem. So it's something going on, oddly enough, and I'm I'm not really sure what it would be. Uh, th- uh, and it, it wasn't the router either because they tried different routers. Yeah, I tried different routers. Yeah. So this is a great mystery because uh, I think, you know, in my mind, you've eliminated all the obvious problem yeah, areas. I mean, over a three-and-a-half-hour period. I'm impressed we- that they did all this, actually. That's, that's really going the extra mile on this. Yeah, they did. It was over a week's period. They put me to the second level of support, and the guy was really good. He'd call me back. We tried all kinds of things. Well, obviously, he got as intrigued as I am baffled by this problem thinking and 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 you know this is the thing about technology it is ultimately deterministic there is no voodoo there's no magic involved it's always cause effect but there but it's complex so finding the exact cause uh, that produces this effect can be difficult but we but if given enough time enough insight and, and enough tests you should be able to narrow it down to something don't know what it is though I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, this is a brand new TV and they've had problems with DLNA, if there somehow isn't some manufacturing defect in the DLNA. It could be. It could be. It's interesting the Blu-ray doesn't have a, tr- have a problem with it. Yeah, uh, that's over. It, yeah, it sounds like something in the implementation that Panasonic chose, and I, and I just don't know. It's interesting they spent so much time with you because if they knew of a problem, they, might, they would have probably blown you off. It right. sounds like you're not, it's, it's just kind of an unusual uh, situation. Well, first, 
tried to tell me it was a bandwidth issue. Well, that's what yeah. I would have said, but we narrowed it down. We eliminated it. Yeah, and I, you know, I told them we already eliminated that with your second level of support. Yeah, yeah. So now you got me. I'm looking at the chat room because uh, because they're smart people, and maybe they could think of something, and they're as baffled as I am. Um, I've Googled it and uh, haven't come up with anything. I think it's a, it's a, maybe a problem with this particular TV. I just I don't know. Sorry. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Of course, this very obscure music is the theme from Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. I got it, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle Benham. You're good, Leo. At the controls. Is Gina Salvati on the phones today? Is it Gina? Jason King. Oh, Jason. Hey, Jason. Good to see you. Jason King on the phones today. And I am, yes, the tech guy, Leo Laporte. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, an intractable problem to which there is no solution, I'm the one you call. And then I will suffer with you, but I won't be able to help you. Chris in Riverside, California. Hi, Chris. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, can you hear me? I'm on a cell phone. I hear you great. You sound very good. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. I'm in a parking lot. I went as far away from any technical devices as I possibly could. Thank you. It, so- it sounds great. Oh, that's, this is so cool. I've never done this before. Okay, I'll get right to my question. Um, uh, okay, I have a LCD TV, and I play my Xbox on it. Okay. And I'm running it through with an HDMI cable for the video and the audio. Good. That's the best uh, quality you can get. Straight digital. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But every once in a while, you know, I'll be playing my games online, doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, uh, the audio will cut out. And the video is fine. Like, there's no, like, craziness or anything. But just the audio cuts out. And, uh, like, I fix it by turning off the TV and turning it on again. And I wondered, you know, why does it do that? Because I have another buddy that just bought a brand new HD TV, and he, you know, he copied me into the same thing, and uh, it happened to him too. With it's not a Panasonic, is it? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, so you understand what's going on, and when you use HDMI, it's a data signal, pure data signal of both audio and video going into the TV, which then decodes the data and plays it. And uh, I'm not sure why that happens. It shouldn't happen. But I suspect that what's happening is that there's some sort of uh, sync issue. You know, it's dropping. It's getting out of uh, touch with the uh, audio, and then it can't go on. You might try uh, a, a better cable. I mean, and this I want to underscore. There, the $120, $150, $400 HDMI cables aren't any better than the $5 ones. You just might have a bad cable. But you can go uh, online and get a, uh, a you know don't don't spend a lot of money. I'm not saying you need a fancy cable. Just maybe that cable has a problem. How long is the cable? Um, uh, I'm not sure. I I think it's uh... keep it as short as you can. You don't want it to go more than six feet if you can help it. Okay. That that can be a problem too. Yeah, um, I was thinking about it. Yeah. It's been, been sitting for a while yeah it could just be the cables a little worn and you know digital either works or it doesn't it's not it doesn't degrade like analog used to so you know used to be you'd get a little hissy or a little the signal would go bad when you when you lost signal but you could still see it and hear it but with digital it works and then it stops because it's just it got out it just can't decode it so monoprice.com they're five bucks get a new hdmi cable it wouldn't hurt to do that get a short one as short as you can between the 
the two things. The other thing, of course, and I presume you're doing this. You're upgrading your firmware on the uh, on the on the. Was it Xbox? You said. Yeah, the Xbox. Make sure you have the latest uh, firmware. Um, yeah. But I think it's most likely a cable problem. But it, but you know it's one of those things that might be hard to uh, diagnose. It's interesting. It happens to your yeah, friend too. See, I, I would have thought that too. But but with my friend, he just went and brought it. He bought a brand new one, a brand yeah. new TV, brand new HDMI cable, and it's happened to him too. So. Yeah, I mean, it just may be sending too much data down the line, uh, and uh, you know the 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 TV's getting confused. Kilroy in our chat room says, "Make sure the TV's in game mode." I don't know if that would make any difference. But maybe it does. Maybe it does. If your TV has updated firmware, that might also be a good thing to do. Who would have thought that we would have to update our TVs? But now these TVs, these these high-def TVs, these good-quality TVs, these are computers. And uh, there are bugs. Your TV can have bugs. I think we've just heard in two successive calls about bugs. And so just like your computer, you might want to update the software believe it or not, on your TV. And that might fix the problem, too. Frank in San Diego, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Frank. Uh, hi, Leo. This this is Frank in San Diego, but I, I feel a little bit like Nigel Bruce. Why is that? Uh, to his uh, to your role as uh, Basil Rathbone as Sherlock. <laughs> Doc, Dr. Watson, come here. I need you. Yeah, what, that was the that Nigel Bruce was the best Watson. <laughs> he was a very good fumpferer. I loved Nigel Bruce, but that's the old ones with the. Oh, who? Anyway, to who, my question. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who was Sherlock Holmes to Nigel Bruce? Sherlock oh. Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone. Thank you. Now I feel better. Yeah. All right, Frank. What can I do for you? Uh, I have a track phone. Uh, and the hardware of it is uh, uh, Motorola W370. Okay. Uh, and very shortly, I'm going to be going to Germany for about a month. And my question focuses around trying to get this uh, track phone, this Motorola hardware, to, to function in, in Europe if possible. Will it work with an appropriate SIM card? And how do I get the, the proper SIM card? And what, if anything, what else do I need to do here, or should I do everything from over there? comes down to uh, three different things. First of all, it has to be GSM, which your track phone is. It uses a SIM card. That means it's GSM. So that's step one. That came back as GSM. Yeah. yeah. It also has to support the frequencies that are used in Europe. They're not the same. So you should look on the box or on the website and see if that particular model is what they call world band. It has to have the bands that are supported in Europe as well as in the U.S. And then here's the, here's the stickler. The, it should say somewhere. You might be able to find it in the phone settings or on the website. But the real sticker, and this is, I think, going to stop you, is it has to be unlocked. You cannot put another phone company's SIM card in your locked phone. By locked, it would mean that that phone was set in such a way that it would only work with track phone. I believe that's the situation. Yeah, and so you can now you can go now take it to a dealer and say, "Can you unlock this?" You probably can unlock it. It is not illegal to unlock your phone. The uh, Librarian of Congress ruled that after you have owned that phone for, you know, a, a couple of years, you can unlock it, but it will not work with a SIM card from another carrier until it's unlocked. Yeah. Where do I get that from? A uh, de- from a, I would uh, I would look for an independent dealer who works for a lot of companies, often they'll unlock it for you. The other option is to buy a cheap Go phone in Europe and just use that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
This is a song. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. We're talking about Sherlock Holmes, of all things, in the chat room. If you have not been in our chat room, it is a jolly bunch of people that get off track very easily, but then so do I. It's easy to join the chat room. All you have to do is go to our website, techguylabs.com. There's a link there to the live video stream we do of this show and all the other shows I do through the chat room. 920 people in there, so it's it's scrolling by uh, pretty quickly. But it's 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 great fun, and it's family-friendly because we have a dozen moderators in there who keep an eye on things. In fact, some new ones, it looks like. Brad and Leggett, don't know them. Warpoli, Tech Zen, Nightflyer, TTK, Mick, Life Suzuki, Kevin H, Inferno 10, Houdini 7, Hip, Darth Emma, CWBP, and of course our chief moderator, Dan. They're all in there. And it is a great time. So if you want to talk about Sherlock Holmes or technology, <laughs> go to techguylabs.com. You'll find the link to the chat room, the live video, live audio, and, by the way, all 787 previous shows, including show notes and audio, for your delectation. If you would prefer to play the home version of our game, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, and that's the number Frank called. Uh, from. Oh, no, I talked to Frank. Uh, so next is David from Lafayette, Indiana. Hi, David. David, welcome. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Can you hear me? I hear you great, David. Wow, I can't believe I'm talking to you. It's amazing, isn't it? How old are you, David? Um, nine. Nine years old. That's great. And are you a um, are you a budding geek? Well, I'm almost a geek already. My dad um, is an IT vocal, so... So, of course, you have to be. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm very pleased to meet you, David. What can I do to help you? Well, um, I'm interested in um, doing some stuff on YouTube. Mm. I have a, a YouTube account. Now, do, so, you, have a, do, do you, you have a YouTube account? Have you posted any videos yet? Yeah, but... I haven't really found my style yet, but um, one thing I'm very interested is um, VFX, video effects. <laughs> so you want to yeah. be... Now, this is a great thing to start at your age because by the time you're in the workforce 10 years from now or 15 years from now, you'll be a wizard, won't you? You'll know all the all the ins and outs of video effects. So, yeah, if this is something you love, uh, and I think your dad sounds like your dad's encouraging you. I think you should absolutely... Play with this. Yeah. Do, you, do you have, uh, first of all, you have a camera, I presume, right? Well, um, I have cameras I can use. Okay, so. yeah. And then well, what kind of computer do you have, David? Is it a Mac or is it a PC? We have an, an old HP laptop. Um, Bill? Yeah, I'm here. Bill? I'm just... <laughs> Yeah. I'm just grimacing. So uh, the problem with video and an old computer is that old computers often don't have enough, ho- especially a laptop, enough horsepower to do video effects. That takes a lot of horsepower. So if, so what I want you to do, David, is save your pennies, encourage Dad to help out, and eventually you're going to want to get a more modern computer that has enough power to do the stuff that you want to do. I'm going to point you in a couple of interesting directions. Um, my friend Alex Lindsay has a, a club called PixelCore, P-I-X-E-L-C-O-R-P-S dot com. And it is, um, 
a place where you can learn. He calls it a craftsman's guild from the old medieval days where in the medieval days, if you wanted to become a printer or you wanted to become a, a, a blacksmith, you would apprentice to a master who would teach you and eventually you would become a journeyman and you would join the guild of craftsmen. He wants to create a modern day guild for digital craftsmen and he is teaching people how to become special effects wizards. In fact, he worked at Lucasfilm. He did uh, Star Wars. So he's a special effects master. You should go to pixelcore.com and look about look and and maybe you'd want to even join Pixelcore because they they do assignments, they do videos, they teach you, but there are a lot of other places you can go to to learn that kind of thing. But I, yeah. I think I think the good news, David, is that that information is really out there. Um, and I think what you're going to find, though, is pretty quickly that you want to get a little bit faster computer, and uh, and you might even have to start spending money on software. But to tell your dad that this is his retirement plan, that if he gets you started now, you'll become the next Bill Gates. And in 15 years, Dad could just retire and live off your money. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> you know what my son says? My son says, be nice to me. I have to pick your nursing home. You tell him that, okay? Say, Dad, be nice to me. I have to pick your nursing home. Um, new registration of Pixel Core is closed. Is that true? Well, we can. I'll tell you what, David, send me an email, leo at leoville.com, and I'll get you in. We'll get you a special nine-year-old discount because I know Alex would love to get you started. And he has kids himself, and you, you are not too young to start learning this. You are not too young to start learning this. Um, this is a great opportunity to become an expert at this kind of thing. So send me an email, David, leo at leoville.com. I'll forward it along to uh, Alex, and we'll get you involved. There are other places you can go. Um, depends on what kind of special effects you want to learn or video effects you want to learn. Um, my suggestion is eventually for your next computer, get a Mac. Uh, they have a program that's $50 called Motion that's really amazing. Uh, Alex's company, DV Garage, also makes some very interesting uh, special effects software. I mean, this guy is a special effects whiz, and he loves teaching special effects. So the same guy that does Pixel Core, if you go to dvgarage.com, in fact, he's giving away now his Conduit 3D program. It's in beta for Final Cut Pro 10 and Motion 5. This software has gotten so much cheaper, but you do need a modern computer, and you probably want to use a Mac for this. So get Dad to pony up. Jim is in front. Is it Front Front Royal, Virginia? Yes, sir. Front Royal, Virginia. Hey, Jim Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Good to talk to you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, I just had a question for you. I know you get a, a fair amount of uh, of camcorder questions, but uh, I'm in the market for um, a new. Uh, uh, you know, digital uh, HD camcorder, and I was hoping you could maybe uh, give me some advice. Sure. I've been looking a little bit and trying to, to look at some of the reviews and whatnot online, and um, I was looking at the uh, the Canon Vixia um, HF M400. Um, we just bought, I'll, the... I'll give you a hint, we just bought 30 Vixias. We bought the slightly higher-end uh, GFH10s. Uh, okay. because Canon makes excellent camcorders for the money, and that's what we're going to use in the new studio as our cameras. These are consumer-grade camcorders, high-def camcorders. They look fantastic. But, okay. but hold on, 
because I don't know if camcorders have much future, believe it or not. So let me ask you what you want to do with this, Jim. Um, well, I just want to I want to be able to take um, a variety of video. I'd like to have something um, where uh, my wife and I are getting ready to take a, uh, a, a motorcycle trip, um, a three-day motorcycle great. trip. Oh, fun. And uh, I've got a, a camera mount uh, for my motorcycle, and I'd like to be able to, uh, to mount it on the bike. Oh, and that's get neat. Going down the road. So, so for that, you might want something like the GoCam, the GoPro, okay. because that's designed exactly for that kind of thing, and they're very much less expensive. But they're designed to strap onto helmets, uh, handlebars, and they have built-in memory. They have recording capability. They do have HD. If you go to GoPro, G-O-P-R-O dot com, they have some amazing okay. videos on there. But that's a specialty camera. That's a purpose-built camera. It's a small camera designed for what you just described. Right. I personally think that it's silly to buy a camcorder nowadays because your digital still camera has such great video capabilities. You might be okay. better off getting a great still camera, a Canon uh, S95, for instance, that shoots high-def video. That way you've got in your pocket a small device that does everything. Okay. A camcorder, standalone camcorder, I think uh, is obsolete. I think that, if, except for special purposes like a, a television studio, which is why we're buying camcorders. But I think sure. for, for most people nowadays, they should uh, just get a good digital still camera and use that for video. Now, you might, if you're going to, if you want to make a great video mounted on the handlebars of your motorcycle, you absolutely should look at these GoPros, and they're not expensive; they're around a hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, that would be exactly what you'd want for this purpose. You're not going to mount your uh, your digital still camera. But what I find is uh, often people with camcorders shoot too much video anyway. This, the, the, the digital still camera kind of encourages you to shoot 10, 15, 20 seconds at a time. Get little snippets of stuff. Right. And in fact, what I do, and I think this really works great, is I think of the digital still camera as taking stills and video for a video photo album. I'll talk about how you would do that when we come back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, hour number three of the Tech Guy Show. Last week in the Tech Guy Labs, we're moving down the street to the new Brick House Studios on the 24th, one week from today. <gasps> Yikes. It's going to be a beautiful new studio. I can't wait to show you around. If you want to call the show today, 8888-ASK-LEO is my number, 888-827-5536. Our website has that number, plus a link to the chat, a link to the video, a link to the audio, a link to all our previous 787 shows. It's all at techguylabs.com. And thanks to James DeRuvo for writing down all the, all the things I say and putting them on the website so you can find the links and everything. Techguylabs.com. Somebody's saying in the chat room, What's, what do you bet Leo sleeps in the new studio on the first night? I might. You know, we got, <laughs> I'm really excited. We got two giant beanbag chairs. They're the biggest beanbags I've ever seen in my life. They're from a company um, called Sumo. Let me see if I can find them on the web. It's probably if you Google Sumo beanbags, you'll find them. But they're, they're yeah, sumolounge.com. They're ginormous. Two people could, be, uh, could sleep on them. And they're the most comfortable things. I sat on one, and it's just the most comfortable thing I've ever experienced. It's so comfy. So we have two of those in there. I don't know what the what model is. It's just the giant one. <laughs> so maybe I will spend the night in there. I don't know. 
They're 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 pretty nice. Is it the Sumo Sultan that we got? The Sumo Gigantor? Do you know, John, which sumos we got in there? We have ginormous bean bags. If you come to see us, we do have an open studio policy. You can email my sister, Eva, E-V-A, at twit.tv, and, and let her know you're coming. That way we make sure that we have room for you. Uh, but uh, if you do come and you want to see the show, yeah, I think it's a gigantor we have. That looks about right. Two of them. You can sit in the beanbag. We also have 12 uh, of these exercise balls. I sit on a, you know, one of these stability balls. Uh, during the show. So we got 12 more. So you can be just like me. You could sit on a ball. Or we have chairs for those conservatives amongst you. But uh, I think we're sold out for the first week. But we will always have an open studio. People are welcome to come by. I want to make a special invitation to ham operators to come by. Because, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I took the uh, technician element two uh, exam on Friday. Passed. So I'm now officially a ham. And uh, we're going to have a... Uh, ICOM is going to build a beautiful ham setup for us in there and the local uh, ham club the redwood uh, dxers are going to come down and put up in a dipole antennas i don't know all sorts of stuff on the roof so we're going to have a great ham operation there so if you're a ham please especially come by we'll have little qsl cards for you you can come visit the uh, the uh, new brick house studios and broadcast from there and everything we're also getting i'm very excited an old AM, like a 1940s Collins AM transmitter and console. We're going to build a little phony AM radio station, like the kind I started out with 35 years ago. We can't broadcast. We don't have a license. I think. I guess we could do like micro transmission, but we won't do that. But we'll we'll have a cute little studio in there. That should be a lot of fun too. It's a it's our it's our tribute to Radio Corner in the new Brickhouse Studio. Tony, Tampa, Florida. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Welcome, Tony. What can I do for you today? Leo, I'm a little embarrassed that I got to call you because I should probably be in your position by now. You but I was, should be the tech guy, Tampa's tech was, guy Tony. I got, I got stupid. I I worked for Honeywell back uh, back around '74, and um, well, I uh, you know I have to say, Tony, things have changed slightly since then. Yeah, <laughs> well, I worked in assembly, and uh, you know it was the honey. I worked on the Honeywell Bowl. And if you ever look at, you know, you might want to Google it up. It was supposed to be so compact. It was about the size of a uh, uh, a dishwasher. Oh, my goodness. Got rid of all the quad machines and all that on 20-inch discs. And wow. uh, then along came Steve Jobs, and we were all out of jobs. Yeah. The mini, the mini, the micro, the mainframe, and they all got replaced by the PC. I, I remember the bull. I remember the wiring inside there. Did you do the wiring? No, nah, no, I just I uh, soldered boards. Those things, I tell you, they were complex. Oh yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, I bet I learned, it was. I bet it was. Well, I became and and so I ended up going into radio and uh, and found out that it's not as much fun being an engineer as it is being on the air and having all the girls. I was only eighteen, nineteen years old. <laughs> so I got away from computers, and that's why I'm embarrassed that I'm. There was you know, your mistake. Little did you know, Tony, that sometime down the road, computers would be the way to meet chicks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, let me... <laughs> no. Um, you, go to a, you go to a users group, and it's 99% men. In fact, uh, that's one of the complaints on this new Google Plus social network. It's almost all men on there. Yeah. That's all right. Well, I don't, I don't care for the social networks very much, because I was never one for typing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're a true geek. <laughs> I was. Well, anyway, um, what my problem is, is uh, this morning I woke up 
uh, and I didn't even read the message that was on my computer because it had happened so many times that Uh-oh. it would just reboot in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, and I usually keep it on hibernate. Well, this morning when I got up, I didn't read the message. I just said, ah, well, let me just go ahead and reboot. And I did, and it just kept on rebooting and rebooting oh, and rebooting. And I have no idea. Well, it's almost certain that your hard drive is starting to fall apart. Hard drives are almost always the first thing to go because, as you know, moving parts wear out faster than solid-state circuitry. Right. In fact, usually if a solid-state circuit survives, you know, the first few months, the, the infant mortality stage, they'll go forever. But the moving parts, they wear out. And hard drives, they, they you know, they, if they don't die in the first few months, they'll do all right for the first two years. And then they die at a fairly consistent 8 to 10% every year from then on. And dying on a hard drive could be... A variety of things. And in fact, you, you hit the nail on the head, Tony. You should have paid attention to those warnings because, in effect, the hard drive was saying to you, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling. Yeah. Well, it's not too late. Now, first of all, let me ask you the hard question. Do you have a backup? No. Oh, Tony. I, tried, I got the, the trial of, of here, here's your sponsor's plug. <laughs> I, I got the trial of Carbonite. Yes. And it worked pretty good. Yes. And I Oh, when I get a chance, I'm going to go ahead and oh. I'm going to buy it. Oh, when I get a chance. Famous last words. And I never did. When I get a chance, I'll back up. When I get a chance. Oh, yeah. you have my deepest last- sympathies. Now, it's all is not lost, by the way. Is there anything on there that's uh, really vital? Well, you know, I got pictures and stuff. Yeah, on all right, there. all right. Don't, do not fret, because what normally happens here is that the reason your system's rebooting, rebooting is that part of Windows itself has become corrupted. But that doesn't mean that you, there's anything wrong with your data. The hard drive is is a ginormous thing with lots of bits on it, and uh, a couple of bad bits in the operating system will cause this symptom. Doesn't mean that all your pictures are lost. Not at all. But what we need well, to do is we need to recover this disk. And so this is this is the trick. Okay. Um. Do you have another computer, or is this the only one? I have a laptop. Um, yeah, what you really want is another another tower, because what you want to do is take this disk and put it in as the second drive on a working tower, right? So you boot up into Windows, and then from Windows, look at this disk and see if you can read the data. Step one, you might even just be able to see the disk. It may just be that it can't boot. But everything else is just sitting there fine. And if that's the case, Tony, then you just copy that data right off and you're good to go. That's why you're probably either going to find a friend with another computer or bring it to a shop and uh, and, and say, dudes, treat my data carefully. It's not expensive. to. Re- there are two different kinds of hard drive failures. There's a physical failure. That can be expensive. But then there's a soft failure, which is exactly what this sounds like, which is that you know sectors got old and worn and weren't able to be read properly. And, and so I suspect that's what's wrong. If you had another computer, you could put it in. You could see if you could read the drive. If you couldn't, you could use a program I highly recommend for systems like for situations like this called SpinWrite from GRC.com. You'd run it on that drive off, of, off another system. If you can get SpinWrite, you can actually boot to a SpinWrite disk and do this, and usually you'll get that data back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, we're going to go to England and say hi to Cal calling via Skype. Hi, Cal. Hi. Um, I recently bought a uh, Asus iPad Transformer, um, and I want to try and sync my music for my MacBook Pro. Okay. Uh, but I don't know how to do that. So uh, tell me what that first thing was again. Sorry, the Asus iPad Transformer. Ah, okay. Is that running Windows or Android? That's Android. Android. Um, well, yep. you know, the easiest way to do this is if you could get an invitation to the Google Music Beta, you would just run it on your Mac. It would upload all your songs to Google Music, and then you'd run the Android Google Music client. You wouldn't have to put any music on the Asus. It would just be able to play it streaming from uh, from Google. I guess you could do that with Amazon Cloud as well. Uh, but not available in the UK. Thank you. You're right. Oh, shoot. It's actually in closed beta anyway, so it's hard to get... Uh, Let's see. All right, here's what I'm going to suggest you do. Uh, there's a program called Double Twist. You ever hear of that? I've tried that. Yeah. I've tried it. Didn't work? It doesn't work. Um, I think it's something to do with Android 3, 3.0 onwards uses media transfer protocol. Really? So when you connect the Asus to your Mac, can it go into USB drive mode? No. Uh, Android 3.0 onwards doesn't have USB mode. That's interesting and a real problem. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Because, of course, with an Android phone, the easiest way to get music on the Android phone is just plug it in via USB to the computer, Mac or PC, and uh, mount the uh, SD card on it. And Now, does that Asus have an SD card slot? Uh, yeah. So that's probably what you're going to have to do is get an SD card for it put it in the Mac, copy the files onto it, and then put it in the Android machine. Okay. Um, with Double Twist, I know it uh, can recognize iTunes playlists. Would there be a way to copy those as well onto the SD card? Yeah, that's an interesting question. That's what Double Twist does so well. Double Twist is essentially an iTunes replacement that will yep. allow you to synchronize with Android and other devices. Um I love Double Twist. So, are you? Does Double Twist just not work with three It just it just does not recognize it. It's, I've tried. Um, Have you tried it, their Air Sync? Yeah, it, it just doesn't pick up the device. I've tried typing in the uh, MP address. It just doesn't recognize it. Ugh, that's so weird. There must be something they did with Honeycomb, uh, because I've used Air Sync also. This this uses this is something that the uh, the new iPhone iOS five should have. Uh, you know, is Wi Fi syncing. Uh, it's just yeah. fantastic. So I come into the house. I have AirSync running on my Android phone. I don't even have to connect it. It sees my Mac, and it starts synchronizing any new songs, copies old songs or songs from the phone over to the Mac. It's very handy. But that doesn't work either. Yeah. Holy cow! You know it. You know it's funny because it says it's compatible with all. My, I have a um, I have a three point one Samsung Galaxy Tab, uh, and I'm pretty sure it works with that. Yeah, it says it does. So I wonder if there's something odd going on with the Asus. So this is a known problem that Honeycomb just doesn't work? Uh, as far as I know, it doesn't work through USB, but it should work through... Uh, it should work, yeah. Should work. The Air, the air Twist, Air, air, air Play, uh, or rather, uh, what is it called? Air, air Sync, that's what it is. Should work. You can always email yourself the music. That's what Clockwork is saying. That, how many songs is that uh, there, Cal? 
couple of hundred. Oh, that's not too bad. Ma- email five at a time. You probably you probably get it done quick. Now, I think there's something else going on because you should be able to at least do Wi-Fi syncing with Double Twist. I'm gonna. T- I'll tell you what. I will go home and try this on my Galaxy Tab. See, I didn't do the, Didn't do any. Put any music on the Galaxy Tab because I was using Google Music, and that's a really nice feature. But of course, it's only good if you can get your Galaxy Tab online. If you can't get Galaxy Tab online, it's not going to work. You might want to look at Dropbox. Somebody's suggesting that's a good point. Web 3900. There's a Dropbox client for Android. Put Dropbox on your Mac. It's free for up to five gigabytes. Put Dropbox on your Android. You should be able to get it that way. Um, Mel493 says ToonSync works over Wi-Fi directly with iTunes. Audio Galaxy. Winamp. So I'll tell you what, our chat room's coming up with a lot of solutions for you, Cal. You might want to go in there and say hi and say, okay, what do you think? And we will put as many of these as we can capture into our... uh, Show notes at techguylabs.com. Great to know you're listening in the UK. Thanks for the call. Noel in Longmont, Colorado, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Noel. Hey, Noel. It's Noel. How are you? It's a lady. Hello, Noel. <laughs> um, I have uh, was hacked yesterday in my personal email account, and uh, it, it's a windowslive.com. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, they've added now. It's so, it's so interesting. This must happen so much. Microsoft now added a button when you get an email from a friend whose account's been hacked that says, my friend's account has been hacked, and it sends it off to Microsoft, and Microsoft then contacts you. I mean, this is how often this is happening. I'm so sorry, Noah. Oh, oh. well, that I needed to know what the security measures were uh, that I should be taking and um, how, also how to shut that account down because I well, can't I, if, you, if you could change the password, oh, you can't access it. No. I can't access it at all. Yeah, you need to contact Microsoft because only they can shut it down at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, contact them. They will uh, shut it down for you or they'll change the password for you if, uh, and I, I, you know, you could recover it again. So here's the key. Uh, generally speaking, the way these accounts get hacked are either because you use a password that's easily guessed, like 123456. I'm sure you didn't do that. No. Uh-uh. The, your password was eight or more characters, random... My password uh, had a fairly strong... Um, you know that you don't use dictionary words. You don't... Yeah. yeah. You, it, the best yeah. password is completely random. Of course, it's hard to remember. So sometimes I recommend people use techniques to create memorable passwords that can't be easily guessed. For instance, if you think of a song lyric that you're a big fan of, and you take the uh. first letter of each word of the first 10 words in the song, and then add your zip code, that's a very strong password, easy to recreate but not easy to guess. Things like that. There, there are ways to make good passwords. But okay, we're going to assume you do, did that. The other way that people often get into these email accounts is through secret questions. So ah. yeah, the password recovery system can also cause problems. So, uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. what they do is the, the bad guy goes to your account and says, oh, I forgot my password. And then the account uh- says, okay, well, what's your mother's maiden name? Or what, you know, and, and so what I do is I lie in the secret questions. Uh huh. In other words, don't use your mother's maiden name. Use a use a completely random noun. You have to remember that, or write it down on somewhere or something. But, but if you do that, then there's very little likelihood that they'll be able to use that. The problem is if you use a real answer to the secret questions. Sometimes that information they can figure out. They can figure it out. Yeah. 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 Well, that's extremely helpful information. I'm Um, sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, you do need to contact Microsoft now to reclaim it. Then 
I will I will do that because um, I now if uh, yeah shut I'll, it down because they're going to use your email to attack your friends. Well, that's what I that was the second part of my question whether these people because it it, it, it took all of my address books yes. so I'm wondering whether the people that are in my address book are going to be compromised. They anyway. aren't going to be compromised, but they're going to attempt to compromise them. So they'll send emails that look like they come from you. That could be dangerous, so you might want to email your friend saying, don't use his address. Leo Laporte, the tech company. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888, ask Leo's phone number, 888-826-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S., Skype out works just great. Jeff in Granada Hills, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Leo. How are you? I'm great. How are you? All right. You've probably heard this before, but help. Well, that's what I'm here for. In fact, I used to do a show called Call for Help. Help! My wonderful family got me an Acer A500 tablet for Father's Day. That is a nice gift. And it's been working great, connected to the Wi-Fi, and I've been happy and playing with it and having a great time. Good. And then... Two days ago, it says unable to obtain, uh, or it says no uh, no internet connection. Eesh. And so I go to the Wi-Fi settings, and it shows me that I do have my Linksys uh, router. It sees it. It has, it has a good signal. I say connect, and it says scanning uh, on one uh, portion of the screen uh, under wireless and networks. Under Wi-Fi networks, it says disabled. And so I say connect. All right. And it says scanning, remembering. Scanning, I would remember. delete. I would delete that entry in the network connections and start over. How do I do that? Just <laughs> right click on it, or you can actually click on it once and press the delete key. It's okay. just a file, and start okay. over. Pretend you never were online with it. Do you have? This is often the case uh, on Windows machines. Sometimes you have two different ways to access your Wi-Fi. Windows has its own built-in version. And then the card, the, the manufacturer of the card, Intel or IBM or whoever made the card, will have its own software on there. Do you notice that you have a choice? Well, this is, this is on the tablet itself. It's not, is it Android or Windows? It's an Android tablet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's an Android tablet. I was giving you Windows instructions. Forget that. I'm not seeing Forget that. Forget that. So on Android, you can forget a connection, though. You go in the wireless connections. So, yeah, it says connect, forget, or cancel. So yeah, forget. so forget it. Forget okay. about it. And start over. Just see if that works. Uh, do you have any other wireless devices? Yes. Um, I, that's what my concern was. Maybe the uh, router went bad, but I've got a... Are the other wireless uh, devices working? Yeah, the, the, I got a Wii console, and I connected that, and I looked, and I was able to go to Netflix, and so... Good. All right. So, so we know the router's working. We know your internet connection's good. This is that same troubleshooting process I was talking about earlier where you eliminate in fact you always want to eliminate the easy things the things you could check easily is the is the internet connection working the wireless working yes so we can eliminate all of that so it's the it's the tablet something's going on with android um, yeah, I'm just wondering, do I have to hit that reset button and try to back up my apps before I do so or I would not do that because uh, yeah you're going to you're going the good news about android is it's not too bad to get back Google okay. remembers all your uh, stuff. You just log into your Google account, and it kind of repopulates it. But I went to the settings, and it does say, show that I was backing up to my Google account. Yeah. So that's you know that's the good news is it's not such a big deal if you have to start over. But 
I don't think you should have to start over. First of all, check and see if there's any updates. What version of the operating system is uh, is on that? Uh, it's a 3.1. 3.1. Okay, that's the latest. Yeah, it's, it, I updated it just very recently. And I presume that you have shut it down and sh- turned it back on again, right? Yes, I've okay. tried to shut Even it down. on a tablet, rebooting is always a good thing. Um, yeah, and it, I would say that, uh, well, go ahead and do it. You forgot it. Let's see if you can get on it in again. Well, I, did, I hit forget, yeah. and it didn't forget it. <laughs> it didn't forget it. It seems to remember, because now it just keeps saying links is disabled. Let me see. Mm, you really want to forget it. Yeah, go away. You really, really want to forget it. <laughs> well, it doesn't want to forget it for me. Maybe I have to reboot after I hit forget. Yeah, because we know the router's working, because you can use other devices to get online. You know your internet's working, so it's not that. It's, the, it's definitely the, the tablet. And it sounds like something strange is going on with the tablet. What you might want to do is turn it off all the way. Shut it way down. Um, you know, if you press and hold the on-off button, it'll give you that shutdown option in there. Turn it all the right. way off. Shut uh, off and I say yes. And then the first thing you do when you turn it on again is go in there and try to forget. Okay. Uh it seems like there's something going on with the tablet. So if you have to, yes, you can always do the restore. You may have to reinstall apps. You know, there's a great, there are a couple of really good ways to kind of remember your apps. Uh, I would try AppBrain. So this is a free download from the market, Android Market. Download AppBrain, and what it'll, and then sync. And what it'll do is it'll remember on the AppBrain website what all your apps are. And if Google doesn't restore your apps for some, you know, sometimes Google does and sometimes it doesn't. I'm not sure what the rules are. You know, I've had a phone where I've logged into my Google account and boom, 80, you know, an hour later, 83 apps are reinstalled. And then I frequently have a situation where it doesn't reinstall the apps at all. If you use AppBrain, at least you'll have a record of all your apps and you can tell AppBrain from the website, now reinstall all of those apps on the phone or the tablet. Okay. Well, fortunately, I don't have a lot of apps on it right now. So uh, I would, you um, might want, if, if, if this shutting it all the way down, forgetting and restarting doesn't work, restore the thing. Okay. And I heard you telling somebody about AirSync. Is that something I can use on this also too? Yeah, uh, it's great. So double, go to Double Twist uh, in the uh, Android Marketplace. You'll see the Double Twist program, which you run on your computer. And then you'll see AirSync, which you run on your Android phone or your tablet. And um, you'll have to set it up with your computer. It'll ask for a code to pair the phone or the tablet to your computer. And then whenever you get within Wi-Fi range, if you can ever get it working on your Acer again, uh, you'll you'll be syncing. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, to clarify, I uh, it's not picking up the stuff on my uh, my Windows machine. I don't know if I need to have clarify running on that too. But I will try. But, you're, your but you're not able to get on the net, or you are able to get on the net on the uh, on the Android. No, it's, it's yeah, it's just same. not getting online at all. It's not, and your and, and your Linksys router um, is working for other devices. The Linksys router is working for other devices. Yeah. The tablet recognizes it. And it says I have a strong signal, but it just keeps saying... It says disabled. Yeah, that's weird. It sounds like something went wrong, and it probably you will have to restore. Yeah. Well... Not a big deal. Another one of the projects I'll work on then. Not a big deal. Anybody who has Android does a lot of that. Oh, Your next good. step will be to root it and put uh, a new ROM on the thing. It's that's- so much fun to play with. Never know. Uh, what's your thought on the Acer? I mean, I already have. I love them. I love them. I uh, I think Android tablets are great. Um, they're about as close as you can get to an iPad. I still, if people ask me, I say get an iPad because that's where all the software is and so forth. But uh, I think they've come very close. They've really made some nice stuff. 
Well, in all t- all the ads today, everybody's breaking price on the uh, Acer. It's three ninety nine instead amazing. of four forty nine. Yeah. Well, these the the truth is they're not selling very well. Uh, people when they go to the store, they might look at them, but they always end up getting an iPad. IPad. Yeah. Well, my my wife told me she got this because of the uh, uh, USB port. Right. And it's more capable. And Android, there's a lot more you can do with Android. Uh, it's more hackable. I'm a big Android fan. Now I have an iPad, but I also have a Samsung Galaxy Tab. Uh, they're they're great. But when people ask me, I say get an iPad. Uh, but if you want to support open, if you want to support choice, if there are things like rooting it and putting other stuff on it that you want to do, Android's a very good choice. I, I'm a big fan of Android. Yeah. When it was working, it was really fun, and yeah. it's, a, it's a cool device. So, What's your I'm, favorite uh, app on there? You know, right now I'm just kind of playing with a couple apps. I'm uh, tracking my son's uh, Boy Scout ranking, so that's been that's uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. so far. What's missing kind of for, uh, for Android tablets is, in, is applications that are designed specifically for the tablets. There are only a, you know, a few hundred of those, but they work very nicely, and, uh, and when they work, it's great. It's really nice to have all that real estate. I uh, I, I uh, love my uh, tablet for uh, Sudoku puzzles. There's uh, there's a great Sudoku um, uh, app called Enjoy Sudoku, and it's it's just so much fun. And you can see yeah. how you're doing compared to other users and so forth. Yeah, my my wife likes the bar sc- barcode scanner, so she can yeah on prices. And yeah, it works very well. Really good so. for co- comparison shopping. Uh, yeah. Scrabble just came out. Electronic Arts just released Scrabble for uh, the tablet. That's a lot of fun on a tablet. There's a lot of stuff you can do. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. We'll take more of your calls in a moment. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. If you ask me, more technology shows should begin with Burt Kempford swinging safari. You're a wild man, Kyle Benham at the controls. Jason at the phones. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Last segment of the show today. Let's answer some calls. Rick in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hey, Rick, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yes. Uh, this is Rick Newhouse. Uh, hello, Leo. Hey, Rick. Welcome. Uh, my call is because uh, several weeks ago, many weeks ago now, I've tried to get on but, but couldn't. Uh, you had a caller who was trying to copy VHS tapes, if I remember right, uh, more current media and and you suggested that uh, he'd be better off to just sign up for a service like Netflix or something and watch the movies instead of taking time to make all those copies. It's a lot of work. I mean, uh, let's give you, I don't remember this particular caller. Of course, we get this call a lot. If it's your own home movies, obviously, you need to figure out how to do that. But I have a friend who, for instance, recorded every episode of Taxi, the classic sitcom. Now, that's nice, but does he really want to transfer them all to DVD? Why not just... I mean, come on, really. Let's just watch it. If it's something you can't get, that's another thing. But uh, I, I agree, and I'm a uh, Netflix streamer, and I love it, but, I, but something I've found watching Netflix is uh, uh, Married with Children, for instance. They have removed the Frank Sinatra music. From oh, no, you're kidding. And they don't play, play love and marriage, love and marriage. They play something that sounds a lot like it, but doesn't require any royalties. Isn't that interesting? Now, that's probably not, in fact, I guarantee you, that's not Netflix. I bet you if you got the DVD of that TV show, it would have the same thing. I, I agree. It's probably just the version that they're being That's furnished. what they're given. That's right. But I thought 
thought I'd let you know that he wouldn't be getting, in some cases, he wouldn't be getting the same thing. Very good point. Now, I don't know if it's still, is it, is it worth digitizing 150 Married Me Children episodes so that you get love and marriage? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, probably not. Probably it's, not. The show, but yeah. I but uh, I don't know how deeply they've replaced things. That's but. really interesting. Now I don't think that that's very common, to be honest. Well, uh, I'd hope not. I I googled it to try to see if there were other people talking about it, and and there are other people on the internet. Interesting, seeing that same thing. Chatroom is telling me that as an example, WKRP in Cincinnati. Now that was remember a, a TV show about top forty radio in which they played a lot of top forty songs. And they had a real problem getting the, the licenses to those songs for the DVDs. So, in fact, they did have to do that uh, with his songs. I do remember hearing about that. Um, so I guess it is more common than one would think. It's a shame. You know, there's, there's cases that are far worse than this. For instance, there's a classic, a wonderful civil rights documentary called Eyes on the Prize. PBS made this some years ago. You will never see it again. Because when they licensed the footage, the archival footage of people like Martin Luther, it's particularly Martin Luther King, they licensed it for that one-time airing. And uh, there, there are some rights holders, like the Martin Luther King estate, who are very aggressive. And that documentary, I, think this is, I don't think this is what Dr. King would have wanted, to be honest. I would think he would want that documentary to be shown in schools, to be shown on TV, Every day on his birthday, let's show that. But no, you won't see it again because the rights holders say, no, no, you can't. We want yeah, money. You can't play that I Have a Dream speech on the PBS unless you give us some money or whatever it is. Um, so I think that that's a shame. I think that happens a lot. I don't think that's the spirit probably of Dr. King. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, that was uh, that was my understanding of why that happened, and that's just really a, a shame. It's uh, it's greed, and uh, it's where I think the copyright laws uh, in this country go a little too far. We call it the Mickey Mouse Copyright Protection Act because every time Mickey Mouse's copyright is about to expire, and Mickey Mouse was copyrighted in 1927. And the original copyright was, what was it, for 35 years? But every time it comes up for expiration, the Disney Corporation goes to Capitol Hill with a bag of money and says to members of Congress, uh, can you uh, extend that copyright a little longer? Because they don't want Mickey Mouse to go into public domain. And so as a result, nothing in the U.S., nothing in the U.S. that was created after 1927 is available to the public domain. It's protected forever, all of it whether somebody wants it or not. And this is the, the, the negative of this is, you know, I don't care if you can't hear love and marriage and uh, married with children. I do care if you can't see eyes on, the, eyes on the prize. Brilliant civil rights documentary. That hurts us all. That's where copyright has gone too far. Well, thank you for the call, Rick. It's a good point. I guess if you have the perfect pristine edition on your VHS tape and you want to take the time of transferring it, maybe, maybe that would be worthwhile. Ernie in Highland, California. Hi, Ernie. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. How you doing, Leo? I enjoy your show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I've got, my wife and I each have two droid um, X's, and I've discovered something lately that's uh, really disturbing. I've called uh, Verizon on it, and I've called Motorola on it, 
talk to their first levels of tech support on each, and uh, they can't come up with a remedy. What it is, I have Yahoo application on there, and I discovered this by accident. If you go to menu and then go to emails and then scroll to the bottom, there is something called manage address history. And when you go there, you find emails of everybody that you've gotten an email from. Not yeah, only that. Yeah, this is a Google thing. It's a Google thing. I think so. Okay. Yeah, Google does this as well. Um, Outlook used to do this. There would be a setting that says, keep track of everybody you've ever... Now, usually it's sent mail to. Are you saying even if you just receive it? It's, it's not only that. If they have forwarded to 30 people, you, you get, get their address. Yeah. And spam addresses. Yeah, and this is, I think, considered a convenience because, well, you, you must want that address. You got email from them. I think it, it, it only makes sense to save stuff that you've ever sent messages to. I can understand why you might want to do that. If it's saving all the addresses that you've ever received 100. email from, that's ridiculous. You sure you didn't re- respond to that mail, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. It, it's Like I say, it's spam, and you can get rid of it. There's hundreds and hundreds. The only way you get rid of it is individually, one by one. One by one. Deleting the application, starting it fresh, and it deletes it that way. You can't delete it. So it's Yahoo that's doing this one. Correct. Only Yahoo. Yeah. Google saves stuff uh, that you email out to. But that's kind of doesn't make any sense that Yahoo would save even incoming mail. Right. I'm I'm not not a novice on this, this, but I've gone to... uh, I've gone to the Gmail settings, the Yahoo, and uh, even Motorola thought they had the remedy, and they told me to uncheck something, and Jeez. and uh, it didn't work. And of course, you can't get the same person back, so yeah. they just so so y- you can only delete it on the phone one by one. One by uh. one, and there's well, one way to do this, perhaps, and make it easier, is are are you um, are you backing up? Are you using Google Contacts for your contacts on your Android device? Uh, yes. What you could do is go into your Google contacts and clean it up, and you could do that in, in a much quicker fashion just by checking multiple addresses and deleting them. How about the spam that's on there? The spam that goes directly to your bulk mail. It, it shouldn't saves. be saving that. That's ridiculous, Ernie. It saves that, too. I, I don't know what happened at Yahoo. Somebody went to sleep at the switch there. That company has really lost its way, and it's a shame because at one time it was it was one of the you know, the great companies. Right. And they've really lost their way. And that there's no reason why spam addresses should be, should be preserved by Yahoo Mail. And then they fill up your, you know, your contacts on your phone, which has a limited storage space. That's ridiculous. Uh, right. And I, don't, like, I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with if you. If it was personal, it wouldn't bother me that much. But when I see spam on there that I get uh, I know. 20 to 50 a day, I'm with they're you. safe. I think what you do is you go to the Google contacts, you clean it up there. And then what you do is you delete all your contacts on the phone and let it sync from Google Contacts. Be careful about how you do this, by the way, because you don't want to delete the contacts on the web. But you can clean it up faster on the web than you can on your phone. And if anybody else has any other ideas, uh, I'll look at your... Yeah, Yeah, I'm looking at the chat room. They they agree with me on the contacts.google.com. And let's just stop using Yahoo. What do you say? I use Yahoo Mail, too. I didn't realize it was doing that. That's terrible. Right, and and if someone goes there and sees that, they're just their eyes are going to bug out because they're just hundreds and hundreds. All sorts of junk. Ugh. Yes, junk. That's terrible. So ex- export the contacts so you have a good clean backup in case you mess things up. Right. And then um, and then uh, you should be able to clean it up online. Well, 
We'll give it a try. Hey, thanks for the call and the and the heads up, Ernie. I'm going to check mine now because I <laughs> use Yahoo Mail. Much. Yeah, I might have to kill my Yahoo Mail account. Oh, I'm thinking about it. That's terrible. That's terrible. Thank you again. Great to talk to you. Thank you all for being here too. What what a great time. I love doing this show. Really appreciate it. The website is techguylabs.com if you want to know more. Links to all of our other stuff. And I'll be back next week with our last shows in the Tech Guy Labs. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Goodbye.